What's up? It's the Michael Yo Show. Happy Labor Day weekend. This is first day back after Labor Day. My wife, my son, you can actually see him right here. Um, we went to Disneyland a couple days. Here's the problem with Disneyland with my wife, Ernie. And she wants to stay the whole day, Ernie. Like, I'm not that dude. She wants to go at like 8 and come home at midnight. You can't hang. I can't. I can't hang. You want to watch the fireworks or what's he want? He doesn't want to watch the fireworks. But my wife she wants to leave at like one. But my wife goes for the fireworks. Like she's all about the fireworks. Yeah, that's one of the best parts. Uh, our guest today, Angela Johnson, is going to be on, and oh, I can I tell you her. this. Yeah, what do you love about Angela, baby? Bonquiqui. Bonquiqui. <laughs> Everybody loves Bonquiqui. I got to ask her how she started Bonquiqui. I want to ask her about her career. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. that's my son. Hey, buddy. Can you say hi. You want to say hi? What's he saying? <laughs> he wants to go out there. Oh, he wants to leave? Is he saying leave? <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you, my son doesn't like me. Hey, Oliver, watch this. Okay, baby. I love you, buddy. Nothing. You see there? All about his mom. All about his mom. Just what I'm dealing with. Yeah, he loves you. You're making our son soft. <laughs> he needs to hang out with me. I, I want to hang out. I will walk in like I've been gone all day. I walk in and my son will look at me and just walk away. Like literally, that's my son. And if my wife walks in, oh my god, it's like the it's like the lottery. He'll run up to her, grab her leg, it's kiss the best her. Feeling, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I wish I had that feeling. Uh, if you don't know, this is my wife. We're, you're checking out my wife right now, and that's my son. We're about to have another kid, uh, so we're excited. You feel good? Mm-hmm. Feeling, Feeling good. good? Oh, now he's looking. Oh, got a little sneak. I know. He was like, maybe I want to be on camera. Nah, I don't want to be on camera. Angela Johnson's coming in. Anything uh, you want to talk to me about right now, honey? Before we get into Angela Johnson, anything you need to address with me now? I do. What? Why are you so hot? Yeah! <laughs> That's my wife. That's what always making me. Uh oh. Hey, Oliver. Oh, he turned the head again. <laughs> Oliver, you want to be on camera? You want to say anything to the people, bud? No? Mm, he must, is it time for his nap? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what it is. It's time for him to go take a nap. Yeah. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, I love you, baby. Love you. Okay. Oh, also, by the way, uh, follow my wife on Instagram. You want to talk about your cream? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, let me tell you something. My wife, I brought this home. And now my wife calls me Snoop Doggy Dog. <laughs> Snoop Doggy Dog. It's the bow to the wow, creeping and crawling. So I went to the doctor and he gave me the CBD. Now, I want to make sure everybody knows this. I don't get paid from it. I don't. They're not a sponsor. I've never met these people in my life. But he yeah, gave yeah. me this. And it felt good. Like, I've never had... This is a hemp, like oil, CBD oil. And man, this is the best thing I've ever had in my life. It is called Quanta. Q-U-A-N-T-A. This is it right here. I don't care if you buy it or not. It is expensive. It's between 45 55 sometimes 60 bucks for this thing. But it will change... It changed my life. It, uh, you know, so I'm just saying. I love it. Anything I find... I want to bring it to you, and this is stuff we actually use. This is stuff I actually love. Quanta Muscle Rub. It's. I mean, I'm going to put the... Ernie, can we put the link below? We're going to put the link to it. You can check it out. Read it. I don't care if you buy it or not, 
But I'm telling you, it is amazing. It is amazing. Um, all right. You ready for Angela John? Hey, buddy. Oh, look at him. Oh, you want me to talk? You want mama to talk? What do you want? You want to talk into it, buddy? What do you want me to say? What do you want mama to say? What do you want mama to say? I know. Oh. Oh, you don't know? It's you don't okay. Know? Okay, it's okay. Angela Johnson, on right now. Make sure you subscribe, listen, and uh, give it five stars. Five stars means so much. I got a special on Amazon Prime. It's called Blazing. Just type in Michael Yo. Blazing. Watch that. It's absolutely for free. Uh, Angela it's really John- good, by is- the way. Oh, thank you. You're my wife. You're supposed to say that. <laughs> what if my wife was like, it's horrible? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You see yeah. the ball? Golf balls. My son you loves golf. Ball? Oh, by the way, if you haven't seen my son golf, <laughs> go to my Instagram at Michael Yo and watch it. He's two. Watch this dude hit a ball. It's incredible, right, Ernie? It's amazing. It's, it's sick. Like, He's better know. than Tiger Woods. Yeah, at the, a, at the at same the, age, at the better stage, than Tiger yeah. Woods. Yeah. Oh, he's starting to like the mic now. Say hi to every. Yeah. You want a ball? No, you can't have a ball. Mama designed this whole thing. No, you can have one. Huh? You can have one. We're messing up the set. <laughs> you want a ball, buddy? Yes. Say please. Please. Oh, Say yes. thank you. Thank you. Oh, so you, you guys didn't train him or anything or a golf? Yeah, like he's just a natural. Like, yeah, I figured he you can't was, train him to you. I he's don't just, know. He gets it from me. You know, I was so athletic back in the day. No, he gets it from me. No, my wife was more athletic than me. My wife is super athletic. Oh, mm-hmm. now he's getting used to the mic. I like that. All right, Angela Johnson is on now. Thanks for watching. Listen, subscribe. Uh, it's the Michael Yo Show. Here we go. Snoop. Doggy. The Michael Yo Show. Celebrities. Gotta be honest, I don't like male strippers. Pop culture. And comedy. That's what I'm trying to do is streamline this whole thing into a cult. Plus, 10 things you should know with Yo. The Michael Yo Show starts now. 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 Angela Johnson. You brought your baby. I did. I brought my dog. He's so cutie. You bring your dog everywhere. I do. Well, okay. Not everywhere, everywhere, but I do enjoy bringing him on the road. I don't bring him to like an audition. Has he has he ever lost it on a plane or anything like that? No, he's he's the best dog you'll ever meet in your entire life. Really? People on airplanes um, want to hold my dog. Like anytime I get up to go to the bathroom. People are like, oh, oh, I'll, I'll hold him. Oh, yeah. so they want to hold him. Yeah. So see, I, I couldn't tra- imagine traveling with an animal. I travel with a kid, and uh, totally I, different, uncontrollable, <laughs> uncontrollable. I, I, I can't, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. So now, what do you got going on right now? I know you, you doing stand up. You're killing that game. I know probably audition season is coming up where you're going out for a lot of shows. But I know you're trying to create your own like mm-hmm. thing too. So where is Angela Johnson at right now? Right now, I am getting ready to embark on a three month tour the technically not stocking tour okay and we'll be traveling on a bus i've always wanted to travel on a bus as a stand-up um i did a bus tour twice as bong Kui when i did my music show and we had a live band dancers um a huge like led wall and confetti cannons and like it was a huge did production. you enjoy that lifestyle it was amazing. It was a lot of hard work. Yeah. But I, oh, I loved it. It was so fun, but it was so much hard work that I always said, if I could do this as a stand-up, oh, breezy. Right. Just like walk in. I only need my microphone and a monitor and I'm good. 
and a bottle of water. <laughs> so um, I'm finally able to now do a bus tour as a stand-up, and we'll be gone for three months. So I'm kind of sad to like leave all my my friends and and family back home. Um, but it'll be fun. What and made you want to do a bus this time? Why was now the right time? Um, you know, just because. I'm going to a lot of builder markets on this tour. Okay. So, industry talk, everyone. There's certain markets that I'll go to where I'll sell out, like, on pre-sale. Yes. Like, as soon as I... 16 shows, 20 shows, Let me done. tell you. Let me just say one little tweet right quick. <laughs> <laughs> burr, 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 sold out. <laughs> and then I go to, let's say, Connecticut. My ticket's been on sale for five months, and I'm at, like, 16 tickets sold. Let's go. <laughs> Let's roll. <laughs> so I'm doing a bunch of back-to-back-to-back shows where it would not work waking up early for TSA pre-check and then go through You know what I mean? Like, so you're doing all the markets, can we say, that you're not big in yet? That's right. So you're hitting all those markets just to build a base in those markets. Exactly. And a bus is free advertisement. Exactly. You're ro- that's smart, girl. So I have my bus with my name and my picture on it, and I'm be traveling through all these markets. Markets where people are like, "What's your name?" I'm sorry, Bonqui. Who? Yeah, you do comedy. <laughs> Hold on. Um, so yeah, it's just gonna be a fun family experience for me. I roll family. I like, know you do. That's I. I have my core team. My dog. My husband will come out every now and then. Um, I got Jaki. My road manager assistant. We got Eddie. We got Mal and. That's how we roll. And That's then dope. if Mal's not there, then it's Ron from Florida. I bring Ron with me. So we, I just enjoy community and family. So it feels like we're not necessarily going to work, but we're like, hey, we're all on a road trip together, you know? So... So now, are you what type of comedy, what type of new material are you getting into? Like, has that been fun? Because you just shot a special, or you had a special come out, so now you're working on new material. What's it about now? Where is Angela Johnson as far as comedy in life right now? So, mm-hmm. I'm kind of at a place in my life. I was, it's interesting, I was just talking to Chris Lee about this other day. Um, I ran into him at the Laugh Factory. The fact that I was even at the Laugh Factory is big for me because um, I rarely go up around town for multiple reasons. I, my excuse is like, well, I'm on the road all the time. When I'm home, I just want to be with my family and friends and go see my nephew and I don't want to go to the club, right? Yeah. It's partly that, but it's partly I'm insecure, when I go to these clubs. And L.A. is notorious for being the roughest clubs because they see everybody. Yeah. Everybody. And everyone is there. So you're going on right after Dane Cook, who just smashed, or right after, you know what I mean? Where when I'm on my shows, I'll, it's just me and, yeah. and Mal, and they're excited to see me. But here it's, like, different, and, and I don't know a lot of comics because I didn't, like, grow up in the club, you know what I mean? Yeah, like in no, my we're comedy the same. Yeah. years. Mm-hmm. So I get insecure about that. Like I'm not really I don't have many friends in the comedy world, so I get all insecure about it, whatever. Anyways. So I did a set at the Laugh Factory. I run into Delia there and I'm talking about my material and I'm like, you know what? I am at this place where I think I'm ready to go deeper and talk about things that I've kept very private 
because of fear, fear of losing some of my fan base that I've built over the past 12 years. Um, I have a very conservative fan base, some conservative, not so conservative. I like walk that line yeah. and I've enjoyed walking the line where I could have super, uh, conservative, um, pro Trump fans and then super liberal, like get him out fans, yeah. you know? And I, I walk the line and I just stay, I tell my stories of my family. I stay silly. And like, I, I bring people a great show. That's just fun for everyone. And it doesn't matter what race doesn't matter exactly. what side of the fence you're on. Exactly. Gotcha. So not that I'm trying to all of a sudden become a political comic. I'm definitely not trying to become a political comic, but there are certain things that I've wanted to talk about, like in my faith and I know I have a huge Christian following and there's things where I'm like, Hey, I'm actually like deconstructing my faith and figuring out like what I actually truly believe, like what I feel is truth and what is really church culture that we've adopted as truth. And I'm kind of getting rid of some of those things in my life that I don't feel are truth. Well, well I mean, just an observation and not putting words in your mouth, but it's just an observation with faith right now and with politics is yes. that is that people support people that cheat on their wives, that say nasty things about other people. And I'm not just talking about the president. I'm just talking about in politics in general. Mm-hmm. Cheat on your wives, say nasty things to other ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And yet the one thing you look about is abortion and you're going, wait mm-hmm. a minute, but... If you're holy, you got to be all holy. You can't. Mm. Now we're picking and choosing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, and I hate that state that people pick what they want from the Bible. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, oh, not all of it. Let's just take the two things I agree with. Right, and then right, that right. other thing. Oh, feel free to right. just cheat on all your wives or do <laughs> all this. So feel free to do that. But you got me on this one. The issue I really care about. Uh-huh. I think I think more than ever in the world today uh, just, just, uh, religion is on its face in America because now people are judging it going, all right, you have church groups following a certain politician that have no values of what right. the sh- church should endorse. Right. So how is, uh, is this just a money move for y'all? Is this just a power move for y'all? Or do y'all really believe in the Bible? So that's the weird thing going on to me. Right I now. feel like it's so layered and, it's been very layered for, for me for like the past five years of like really taking a deeper look. And all I can speak to is myself and I can't even speak to like as a whole, the church, well, this is why they stand for this person and not this or whatever. Like I can only speak for myself. And I know that within myself, um, I have deeper thoughts and feelings that I withhold because I'm afraid of offending someone or them being like, oh, she's not one of us because she doesn't believe exactly how we believe. Let's not go support and whatever. It's so stupid. But Are you scared though to do that? Like, because that's a, I mean, like I've seen your crowds. They love Angela Johnson. Yeah. The Angela Johnson they see on stage. Right. Are you... Are you prepared to get that backlash if it if they don't agree with you to them to hit you up on the Instagram? Because that's a lot when the people that love you now go, I don't know if I love you anymore. I've already been getting it because I've been a little more vocal on my social media and things like that. So I've already been getting the hashtag unfollow bye and all those kinds of things, which is fine. But. I think I'm just stepping into a place where I'm ready to be a little more honest with myself, more authentic. And 
Also, um, another one of my excuses for like keeping it surface and not going too deep is I would always be like, well, I'm in process, like I'm figuring it out and I don't want to say something on stage while I'm in transition because I may feel differently in a month from now. And then I just wrote this whole joke, mm-hmm. taking a stance on this, but then like in two months I've actually processed it a little more and maybe I don't feel that way. So I'm like, you know, I'm in process. I don't want to document my process. Let me just wait till I arrive and then it turns out you don't arrive. No. It's always a journey. Faith is a journey from the day we're born to the day we die. You're never going to have it figured out. It's always going to be a journey. And for those who feel that they have figured it out, that's where I would be scared because you're kind of stagnant. If you feel you figured it out, then you are you're plant your feet here and that's it. You don't move. But I think faith is a constant like relationship growing evolving moving you can say it's a process it's a process so i think i'm ready to start sharing a little more of my process with my fans and it is a risk there is going to be some people that are like "Mm, i don't like that and not want to come and again i'm not getting political at all. I'm still not going to touch politics in my show because I do want my show to be a place where it's not about division and how are we different from each other, but it's about how are we the same? How do we relate? How do we connect? Every single person in the audience, all of us can connect on something. And throughout my hour of a show, you're going to find out how we all connect. One thing, 10 things, my whole entire show you connect with maybe. I don't know. But there's going to be something that we connect with. I love, uh, I mean, I would say, you know, I'm slightly more vulgar than you, but I, I feel that we're both like, we do we do a lot of family shows, like three generations of people, like the mo- the grandmother, the mm-hmm. mother, and the daughter will come out to my show, just like you. I see yeah. your shows. So I feel that through our comedy, we're not yelling at people that they're doing stuff wrong. We're telling our story. But at the end, they understand the struggle of your story because you didn't say it's their fault. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You didn't go, white people did this to me. So uh-huh. You're going, oh, here's my story. Uh-huh. And this is what some people did to me in the past. Uh-huh. And then I feel like after shows, people come up and go, man, you know what? I understand your problem so much more uh-huh. because you actually had a conversation rather than saying it was me. It was me. Well, to me, hearing that makes me feel like, okay, then you already go much deeper than I do. Oh, because, yeah. Oh, because- yeah. I talk heavy <laughs> about race. Yeah. So I, I... The comments I get after shows are really just about how people feel like they are my best friend. Okay. So yeah. it's it's silly. It's fun. It's like, oh my gosh, Girl, my husband hang. does. Exactly. If you lived in Tulsa, we'd be besties. And like, <laughs> that's what I get. And I love that. And so I feel like if I'm going to be going deeper, not necessarily that people will feel excluded because I never want people to feel excluded, but they may hear things that they go like, Oh, I actually don't agree with that. Maybe you, we wouldn't be best friends. So do you feel like you've gained a lot of success, but it, it's a type of thing where as a comic, you also want to grow. And yes. I feel like now you're like, okay, it's time to grow because if you stay too long in that pocket too, right? you'll, I mean, I can name several comedians that I won't, but they never can leave that image they are right now because mm-hmm. they definitely would lose all their fan base. Mm-hmm. 100% would lose all their fan base. And I, I feel that, you know, I talk to a lot of comics and it's like, you always got to evolve. Because if you don't, like Joe Coy's, even Joe Coy's always been funny, but you've seen it evolve mm-hmm. to, and I, I believe Joe's next special, he's going to even get deeper. Like he, we had a conversation, he goes, I want to get deeper. I want to talk. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all at that point because yeah. now we realize 
I, I feel like when I just nine years ago when I started, it was all about doom jokes. Like yep. now right. it's about storytelling. It's about yeah. people want to know about your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that fits my pocket, your pocket, and Joe's pocket yeah. the best. You know? And you have you're so and maybe I'm speaking for you, but oh, I'm known as this. But guess what? I'm more than this. And yeah. I feel like you're at that point right now. Also to touch on something you and I mentioned in the YouTube video we did together yes. is comedians are like the new preachers. We mm-hmm. bring the truth. And we used to be able to bring it without concern of, am I going to get fired from all of my campaigns because people are offended by something I've said. So now as we write material or we write a tweet or whatever, we have to take into consideration, is somebody going to campaign to get me fired from my gig? Well, and and we've talked about this too, is that if we have the freedom of speech to say something, but at that same time, we can't take the freedom of speech of other people that don't like what you said. Right. You see, so that's the fair balance because normally when somebody gets attacked or like you say something like, I don't understand. By you not understanding their anger is also you're trying to take away their freedom of speech. Mm, You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Because normally it's like if you sent out a tweet and people were mad about it, and this is what I think about too. Like we're we're all in this game. If I sent out a tweet that offended people and they go to wherever I work and go, you need to get this guy fired. I could be up there saying, man, you know what? Uh, You're trying to take away my freedom of speech. But honestly, by me saying that, I'm trying to take away their freedom of speech because I already said what I had to say. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if they didn't like it, it's, it's... So what's the solution? How do we not get fired from our jobs, but still say that's what, what we want to say? Well, at this time, it's kind of difficult because everybody's so sensitive. But I think, like, you know, I watched Dave Chappelle's new special. It, mu- it Here's the thing. I was talking to Donnell Ross about this. Dave Chappelle is at a financial freedom where when you watch this, right. you know what I mean? Where, say whatever you yeah, want. Say, and that's what he did in this. I don't know if you've seen his last I, special. I haven't seen it yet, but my husband was watching it uh, the other night as we were going to bed. And our rule at home is he's not allowed to watch comedy when we're going to bed because he laughs so loud. Oh. And if he tries to like not laugh loud, then his body is shaking. And then <laughs> I'm waking up because his body is shaking. And so I'd be like, hey, no comedy before bed. But he was watching, he would pause it like after every joke as I'm trying to fall asleep. And he'd be like, babe, he just said this. And then like five minutes later, babe, he just said this. I'm like, oh, hey, hey I'll watch it tomorrow. So, so what I'm saying is when you watch this special, you have to be at such a level where you don't care what anybody thinks, mm. says. And just to get to that point must be amazing for him. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Because he's built his whole career for this moment, I feel. And so many people are going against it saying, look, whether you like it or don't like it, it was amazing to see a person just be so free mm. that whether you agree with them or not agree with them, that I don't care. Like, y'all can't hurt me. I'm mm. Dave Chappelle. You know, I got 50 million in the bank. What? Or right. whatever. You know what I mean? Right. I live in Ohio on a farm. I don't yeah. I don't need Hollywood. Yeah. And I think we all, maybe not necessarily the way he's doing it, but we all want to get to that point where we can go on stage and people like us for us. Right. And all we're caring about is our whatever percentage that like us. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But right now, until you're that level you got to watch out about everything i know and that's hard and it's another thing that i take into consideration as i try to go deeper and talk about more things and here's the funny thing is i thought i was doing it in my most recent hour which is why i called it the more of me tour because i felt like i was giving my fans more of me but even then it was still at a safe level 
I was like, okay, let me talk about a little bit of my insecurities, a little bit of my quirks and how I, I'm afraid my husband's going to die. Let me dive a little bit into my anxiety, but not go super deep into my anxiety. Just like be like, yeah, I have anxiety. And then like a throwaway line. It's like a surface joke. Exactly. So I'm like, well, I mentioned it. So that's more of me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like now, you know, I have anxiety. You don't know to what extent, but you know, so, I have it. So normally when people have this transformation in comedy, something happened. Does something happen to cause you? <laughs> Does something happen to cause you to say, okay, I need to go deeper. I need many things. Okay. Um, that you could talk about anything. It was okay. Kind of a little bit, kind of. Uh, I had a two-week period of life very recently where it was one thing after the next was happening that was um, very tough pills to swallow for me. And it was causing me to look... Our instinct, human instinct, is to point the finger at like, well, I'm this way because you did that to me. Or I'm this way because this failed. Or whatever. And after... This phone call, that email, this phone call of a lot of things, um, it really caused me to point the finger at myself and start looking within and say, like, where have I been failing as a wife, as a businesswoman, as a friend, in all of these areas? And I was able to identify a lot of areas where I saw that I was slacking and people would always ask me, how do you balance like life on the road and family and in your life? Like, how do you balance that? And I'd be like, I don't know, I just do. And then turns out I don't balance it well. And places in my life were suffering. One of those being my career, which is very interesting because I was putting my career first, striving, hustling so hard that that was actually the thing that was holding my career back is I was striving too hard, right? So I didn't leave myself room for creativity because it was pressure that was motivating my next hour. It was pressure of selling tickets that was motivating this pressure of, I got to be ready and available for auditions. So I was so overloaded that I had no room to create freely because I feel this and I want to create it. I had no room to um, write my book that I've been wanting to write. No room to create funny YouTube videos that I want to just put out. No room to be like, hey, babe, let's go on a date night and just live our lives. And, And my friends, like my friendships for the past years have looked like if you can come to my house while I'm repacking my suitcase for my next road gig and watching Law & Order SVU, then we can be friends. But if you can't do that, we're probably not going to be friends because I don't got time to go invest in your life. How selfish is that? Mm -hmm. So I started realizing all these areas where I've been me first, me first. And it's the thing that has actually kept me back. But isn't that interesting? That's what people sell in the day. You got to hustle. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do it. But I think that's what the Oh, that's my little son. Oh, oh, I my was like, son oh my God, we're being attacked. My babies. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a thing where it's interesting that the things that we uh, see in the press or see from other people that are successful in our line of hustle, you got to hustle, you got to do this, you got to do this. But you got to remember, they're also chilling out 
and they're taking time with their families. But on the outside, whatever you put on Instagram, no, that could is. be not even real. Like, I, I still believe The Rock goes to the gym and takes about 300 pictures and just posts a different one every day, uh-huh. you know, from that same workout uh-huh. session. You know? <laughs> the Rock haven't worked out in three months. <laughs> but, but that's crazy that now you're leaving. Have you felt the difference? This just happened. Okay. Just happened. All right. It's fresh. With, within a month. Okay. So, um, it's all very new, but I'm very excited to go deeper in my material, my material to, um, realign some things in my life and, um, strongly considering taking a break for a little while to reevaluate what I really want and what story I want to tell and what legacy I want to leave And I feel like you can't come to those answers in the middle of hustle. No. you When you're running at your hardest on the treadmill, right? You can have a conversation with the person next to you. You're like, hold on, let me focus for a second. I've been in this for 12 years that I think I need to like pause and be like, okay, wait, have a conversation with myself. Be like, okay, what do I want? What do... What story have I been telling and what do I want to tell? And I think it's only going to come out of a place of rest. So that's, that's kind of where are you I'm a person headed. that can rest? Um, I'm going to make myself. Okay, good. Um, good. Do it because I feel it's so important and um, therapy is very important. And so I was talking to my therapist about this and she's like, you know, what? I've seen this over all my years of being a therapist And what I've seen happen is there is a window of opportunity in people's lives where something happens that caused them to realize that they need change in their life. And this window opens and closes very quickly. So if you don't jump in that window and make the changes that you feel your body is telling you you need to make, you're going to have to wait for the next crisis for that window to open again. Mm -hmm. Don't wait for the next crisis. Jump in now. So that's kind of where I'm at right now is I'm still processing and figuring out like what does that rest period look like and and all of that. But I do but at, feel I need it. But the rest period, you're still trying to work on new material at the same. Because I see, I mean, I just been seeing all the club mm-hmm. advertising. Like you're, I was like, Angela's going up here. Angela's going up I here. I know. Like I've seen I'm you. I'm surprised at myself. Yeah. Like I see you popping up everywhere. So is that part of your rest staying no. local and practicing? Or The rest period is going to come after this tour. Okay, so when is that? End of the year? December? Um, probably starting January. January, okay. So until then, you're going to keep hustling. Yeah. But oh, in yeah. your mind... But in my mind, like I've already had conversation with friends being like, hey, I realize I have not been a great friend to you and get very specific and, and things. And all of my friends have responded and wow, thank you for saying that. And... um. And also the whole, but don't be so hard on yourself, whatever. And I'm like, I get it. I'm not being so hard on myself. I'm just being very real and honest with Mm -hmm. myself. Um, So it's starting now, Mm -hmm. but the actual rest period is going to come early next year. Okay. And I'll see what that looks like. Okay. Okay. Now, when's this tour kick off? Uh, Two weeks. Two weeks. So I'm going into grind mode, hustle mode for this tour. Um, And yeah, it starts in two weeks. We start in New York and go all over the East Coast. And Now, I want to talk about, because a lot of people know you from Bone Kui Kui. Uh How'd that all start? Like, I know you've been asked this a million times, but 
never on this show right here. Right, right. So how did it actually start? Because, you know, I know a lot of people from Mad TV, and they go, this girl is known from this one thing, and we've been on the show, like, its entirety. Where I mean, the stupid question is, were you shocked it blew up? Of course, yes. you didn't expect that. No, yeah. But how did it all happen? So, um, Bonquiqui is a mix of a lot of people that I've met throughout my life, but two people specifically. One, my brother. My brother is the main influence for Bonquiqui. Um he used to be a hot mess. He's sober now, three years, and I'm very proud of him. Um, when I created the character, he was not sober. Okay. And he had no filter. He would say whatever he wanted to say, which is the shock value of Bonquiqui. Um, he was He's very funny. Um, he's a trendsetter. So he'll start a new slang word and everyone around him starts saying his new slang word. And that's kind of how Bonquiqui is, whether it's Roe or whatever, <laughs> like that's what she does. She starts a new thing. Everyone starts doing it. And, um, so I took my brother and then like 15 years ago, I went through a drive through a Burger King drive through in Memphis, Tennessee. And I met a girl who changed my life. And th- that's where like the fast food aspect of, um, like this horrible customer service came in from this one girl that I met 15 years ago that I was like, Oh my God, you changed my life. It was just, from, did she, what does she do to you? to just change? As soon as I drive, pull up in the drive through and she's like, welcome to Burger King. Go ahead with your orders. <laughs> just mad and I was like so impressed at her honesty (laughs) no fear of getting fired just like what what else you want okay just go to the next window then and I was like oh my god this is insane um so her like customer service attitude met with my brother and his craziness and that is Bonquiqui. And so I auditioned for Mad TV with this character. And keep in mind, I had never done sketch comedy before. I didn't do Groundlings. I didn't do UCB or any of the schools. What I did do was I took a free joke writing class at a church. And that's how I learned how to do stand-up. Wow. So I did like 12 minutes of material in this free class. And that's where I wrote the nail salon joke. And this nail salon joke blows up on YouTube. So then, um, and I got a new agent and then a manager and all of that from this video. And so my new agents and managers are like, hey, we got you an audition for Mad TV. You have to do three original characters and three celebrity impressions. And I'm like, okay, I've never done any of those things. <laughs> um, so I go um, to my... 12 minutes of material that I wrote. And I was like, okay, well, I do this joke about my grandpa. Maybe I'll just make it my grandma and I'll act it out a little more. So here's my grandma. And I do this joke about um, my sister. Um, She wants to be a rapper. That's Bonquiqui. And then I did like one other one. And so those are my three original characters. I didn't even know if I was doing it right. I'm like, okay, here we go. And I basically just said the joke that I wrote in my free class, but I acted it out real good. And then my three celebrity impressions, I went on YouTube and I was like, okay, well, who's Latina and famous that I can just like copy what they do? So I looked up Jennifer Lopez, obvi, and I looked up some of her, her red carpet interviews and I noticed how she waved. 
she waved like this. <laughs> like it wasn't like this. It wasn't like this. Like she waved like this mm-hmm. in all the interviews. And I was like, okay, I could do her wave. I noticed how she would laugh and then I would copy her laugh. So when I did my impression of Jennifer Lopez, I said, okay, this is Jennifer Lopez on the red carpet. And the whole interview, no matter what they would ask, her response was a laugh and a wave. And so they were laughing at the fact that, oh, it's funny, Jennifer Lopez's response is only a laugh and a wave, but really that's all I knew how to do of Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> do you remember the laugh? Like the laugh? I, I, do, I don't want to do it now because I won't do it justice. And I'm like, okay. oh, that's terrible. Um, but here's the wave, everyone. There you go. Um, <laughs> Killed it. You crushed that one. Uh, oh, my God. That is her wave. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, and then I looked up Rosalind Sanchez, who at the time was on Without a Trace or Cold Case. I forget what show it was. But I would watch her in her scenes and I would just pretend to do a scene. And I was like, this is Rosalind Sanchez on her show. And then I did Drunk Paul Abdul on American Idol oh because that's the season yeah. of like, yes, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> and so I did Drunk Paula and then I booked it. Like, did they tell you right then or did they call you a couple of days no, later? It was, I think it was probably like weeks later. Mm. I don't remember that time now, frame. You go into Matt TV, you, like you're with seasoned professionals. You've really never done this. Never. Nerve wracking? Yeah. Or comfortable? Um, Nerve wracking, but also I am a master of fake it till you make it. Oh, yeah. That's how I got to where I am today. Um, From taking it back to when I tried out to be a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. That was my very first intro into the entertainment industry. I was an Oakland Raiderette. I had never done anything like that in my life. Um, And I was a cheerleader, like Mm -hmm. Pop Warner, so I could do like tumbling, stunts, and like, you know, whatever um, that's like competitive cheerleading, but that's so different from like sexy, you know, dance training yeah. cheerleading. Uh-huh. I had never had any dance training. So I go to this Raider audition and. What made you want to be a Raiderette? Uh, I had a girlfriend that I grew up with. I haven't seen her in years. I ran into her and she was like, hey, guess what? I'm a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. You should come try out. Okay. And I was like, oh, no, thanks. It's not my thing. But I wanted to be an actress. And I had another friend at the time who had moved to L.A. and she was an actress. And she told me, she's like, if you move to L.A., I'll help you get started and I'll help show you the ropes. So I was like, huh, I'm going to try out for the Oakland Raiders. And if I make the squad, I will take that as my sign to pursue the entertainment industry. And I will do it for one year and then I'll move to L.A. So I tried out for the sole purpose of it being my sign of whether I should pursue entertainment industry. <laughs> and you're 100% believing that, that. 100%. To okay. the point where, so I'm at this audition. I made it past the first cut. Now we have to learn a dance. And it's like, you know, pirouette and like all these terms I've never even heard before because I don't, I was not a trained dancer. And so I'm just like watching people and like faking it. I have attitude and like, <laughs> you know, performing the hell out of these terrible moves I'm doing. And the director, she's on like this little platform. We're in a banquet room at a hotel and um, this is where the audition is. And there's like, at this point, 300 girls. It started with like 700, but then they'd go through yeah. cuts. And now there's about 300 girls left learning a dance routine. And um, the director, she has her little Britney Spears mic on and um, plays music. And, and at one point she stops and she gets off the stage and she weaves her way through the crowd and she comes right up to me. And she goes, clearly, you have no dance training. <laughs> <laughs> 
But you have something that cannot be taught. And that was the most powerful compliment I've ever received to this day because she was speaking to me, my gift that is not able to be replicated by anyone else, but this is me. And no matter if I had the training or not, I did me and I booked it. And so when I say like my whole career is based on fake it till you make it is like, I had no training, but I went in there and I did me. I did the best version of me and I booked it. When I did mad TV, I had no training. I didn't go to sketch school. I just did me and I booked it. So uh, up until that point, I was like, well, that's what I do. I just kind of show up and I'm like, all right, well, be me. here's me. And I hope it works. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that worked out with. So do you TV. feel like now in comedy, go back to where we started is you're not you in comedy fully now? I guess so. Yeah. I guess it is a little bit of that. I'm, I'm being a version of myself, um, but not completely fully honest. Wow. It's funny how like you've been successful being you and then mm-hmm. comedy you felt like you had to stay in this bubble and now you're coming out and going, look. I'm well, here's be- the thing. My comedy was me being me. Back then. But I evolved. Yeah. And I have not shared that side of me yet. So I've evolved as a woman. I've evolved as a wife. I've evolved in my faith. I've evolved in so many areas of my life so that now my same routine that I've been doing now, it's a little inauthentic. Is that a right word? Inauthentic? Unauthentic? Unauthentic. Unauthentic? I think so. I think it's un. You know what I'm trying to say. You know, I dropped out of college, girl. Come on. Come on now. What I try to say is I ain't (laughs) keep it real. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So now what do you like uh, getting away from comedy when you have off time mm-hmm. that you don't have that much of. Right. But what do you, besides the SVU show, what, what do you, what are you watching? What are you binging? What do you and your husband like to do? Okay. So there's so many great shows on television right yes. now and I am watching none of them. Uh, <laughs> I watch like the trash shows that will never get nominated, but not reality TV. Okay. It doesn't um, do anything to my spirit. Um, I watch like criminal minds, law and order SVU. Um, I like Forensic Files. Anything, anything with murder. Rapey or Murdery, I like that show. <laughs> um, SWAT, uh, like all the like network drama crime stuff, like that's that's my alley. What, what, what attracts you to that? I don't know. I don't know if it's because like we're in the comedy business and we laugh and so this is like my outlet. Uh-huh. I don't know, but there's something about like the Forensic Files voice over guy. And when I'm in my hotel room, like I just put on forensic files in the background until I go to bed. But if you think about what he's saying, he's like, then he dragged her behind the building and raped her. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to sleep now. <laughs> like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but that's, that's where I decompress where if I watch like a new show, I have to stay present in the moment and I want to watch the acting. I want to follow the storyline. But if I have time to watch TV, it's because I want to rest and relax, which means turn my brain off. And that means just put on a crime show and And you're good yeah okay what kind of kid were you were you like this i mean like i mean like the the character person always you know having like throwing it out to people like quick witty believe it or not i was very shy really and then i grew out of my bubble i out of that shy bubble right so i was very shy um i didn't like looking people in the eye and um 
then I just all of a sudden grew out of it. And then I became this like performer. How old were you when you thought you were shy till what age? And then you kind of like, oh, maybe like nine, ten. I started uh, Pop Warner cheerleading when I was eight years old. And I have video of me performing with my head down the whole time. Like I'm doing like my moves, but I won't look at anyone. I'm just like looking down like I'm very embarrassed. And then by the next year, I'm like star of the show. (laughs) Top of the pyramid. Like, so I don't know what happened. I, I just like evolved i'm constantly evolving Mm -hmm. and um then i became this like performer but i did not know i was funny because my whole family's funny my dad grandpa Mm -hmm. siblings everybody's hilarious like our my sibling text thread forget it we're just cracking up all day and it's not because of me it's usually like my brother kenny who i told you is my bonquiqui um inspiration he's probably the funniest person in our entire family what did he say when he first saw bonquiqui did he know it was him no to be honest i think the first time he knew that was based off his hand off of him is when i said it in an interview and then he was like oh <laughs> where's <Okay>. my money <laughs> yeah exactly that's what he's like he's like do i get a check or what's this <laughs> so so now you got you got uh you don't have time for tv really if it is it's a crime show mm-hmm. is there any comedians you're looking up to right now who do you like watching um or, or or are you a person that don't like to watch? Because I'm a type of person that doesn't like to watch comedians uh, uh, because I never want to think something I say came from uh, starting right. at another place. But what type of comedian are you? Always Joe Coy inspires me. 100%. In not only his performance, but his business, his the way he runs things. I'm constantly learning from him. I will call him and ask his advice. Um, and he's just such a great friend. Um, so Joe Coy is someone that I'm constantly looking up to like, yes. And, and cheering on the whole yes, time. Yes, 100%. Um, another person who I call for advice often is Eliza. Love um, her. I love her so much. She's so wise and, um, I can call her with just like being vulnerable. Like I, before I started like going to the clubs around town, I called her one time and I was like, Hey, I know you're always at, she's at the comedy store like every other day, if not every day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can I just roll with you one time and just like, like, I don't even have to get on stage, but just like to be with you. So I, I don't feel so insecure. Like, so I can have like a buffer, like somebody there. Um, and she was like, yeah, of course, whatever. And I actually never did, but I love that she was there if I needed her, Mm -hmm. you know? So she's someone that I definitely, um, come to for like she's always treated me great but i i feel like a lot of times like now this was probably a couple years back she would always get attacked by different comedians yeah i've seen that like and i never understood it but maybe because i've never been in that window with Mm -hmm. her where i had that type of internet it's always been pleasant Mm -hmm. but it's just weird how that some comedians just don't like Mm -hmm. some comedians you know it I don't, but I also think I attribute that to comedians hanging out in clubs too much too. But I understand you got to do that too to get. I have heard that before. And what I, I tend to do is I go off my own personal relationship with people. And Eliza has never been anything but gracious to me. And, um, I made sure to sow seeds in her life of support. Like I wanted her to know I support you. I don't compete with you. Like you are not my competition. Anytime she would do, so, I'm leaving her a comment. Yes. Like, 
yes, girl, get it. Like, and, and I do that with all kinds of women in our industry, Whitney Cummings, uh, Christella Alonzo, I'm, um, Chelsea Peretti. Like I'll, I want women especially to know you are not my competition. Like a win for you is a win for me. Absolutely. And I want you to know, like I celebrate you when you succeed because yours is yours and what's mine is mine. What's interesting is I felt like there was a lot of competition when I've only started comedy like nine years ago, but just in the comedy business, there was a lot of competition. I feel like now though, it's different. It even feels different because people are like, oh, I got my podcast. I got my own lane. I got my mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Like people are finding their different outlets where yeah. before it was like, if you, everybody was trying to get on three late night shows. Right. Now it's kind of like you trying to be on Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan. Uh, Joe Rogan, you listening? Can I come too? <laughs> <laughs> and Joe Rogan is that guy now. Like you yeah. go on a show, you get tons of followers. People come out to your shows. So it's a thing where there's more outlets for mm-hmm. people too. And I think now comics are smarter in the business where it's like, oh, if if a, a person that looks like me gets booked on a job and that show does well, guess what? They're going to be looking for other people that look like that person. Mm-hmm. So it opens the door for you. Yeah. Where before it was like, if they get it, I'm not going to get it. Right. You know, so I think the game is changing. I hope so. I hope mm-hmm. people aren't competing like that anymore. Um. No, absolutely. We will always still be competing for the rest of our lives because yes. that's our human nature is to be self first. And when you see someone succeed, you can't help but compare to where you're at. Absolutely. And it's so funny because uh, a situation with that that happened recently, maybe last year, um, uh, some of my friends, uh, you know, scrolling through Instagram, that's the worst thing you oh, can do for creativity. Causes depression. For- there is scientific facts that say that causes uh, like depression. You seeing yep. other people's best lives mm-hmm. make you feel terrible about yourself. Absolutely. And so there's that quote, comparison is the thief of all joy. Yes. It is 100% true. And I remember one time I was scrolling and I saw one of my friends, she was directing an episode of her TV show. And I was like, yes, girl. And then I kept scrolling. I saw another one of my friends directing an episode of her show. And then I see another one of my friends who she's an actress and a director and and she was happy to be directing an episode as well and stuff like that. And immediately I start questioning going like, wait, am I supposed to be directing? Should I be wanting to direct? Like, okay, do I go study a director? Like, what's the next step? Like, what should I do? And then I had to pause for a second. I'd be like, wait, hold it. I don't even want to be a director. (laughs) Like that's not even a desire of mine, but because I saw three of my friends who are quote unquote successful doing this, it was like, Oh, that's success. Okay. So when you're directing an episode of your TV show, that's success. Wait a minute. I don't even have a TV show. (laughs) So it's like, First of all, and this is what we just talked about on our podcast was define success before you pursue it. Absolutely. Because then you're just going to be chasing anything that is that version of that person's version of success. That's not even for you. I had to literally stop myself and be like, oh, girl, you don't even want to direct like (laughs) dumb. Get off. And then it was done after that. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I don't want Let me just stay in my lane, stay focused, whatever. But so easily I started doubting like, "Okay, yeah, I'm supposed to be directing. That's what I'm supposed to do. No, no, no. I love that when people move to L.A., they go, I want to be a superstar. I tell everybody you need to create realistic goals when you get out here Mm -hmm. so then it always feels like you're moving forward like you could be like i just want an audition 
Okay, you get that first. Okay, that's great. I got in the room. Now it's like, oh, I, I want to, I want two next week, or mm-hmm. I, I just want to be in the game. I, I think people go, I want to be a superstar. And then when you're not a superstar, you're like, mm-hmm. I haven't done anything. You feel right. bad about yourself. As soon as I got down here, I got hired on TV, and my first thing is, I just want to be on once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, got on once a week, and then it was like maybe two. Mm-hmm. Maybe three. And then it kept it keeps going from that. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be full time. And then they I, yeah. you know so but it's always realistic goals. I want an Oscar now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the biggest actor yeah. in the world. Yeah. Pay me twenty million a film. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's the way I approach it. Is there for any comics that are coming up right now that are watching this or anyone that's in their entertainment business, what's the piece of advice you have for them? Uh because do... you're still evolving too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've definitely learned a lot in my journey, but the one thing that remains constant and true in my life is do you and do you well, Mm. there is not one replica of you out there. There can be people similar. Um, no one has you, your point of view. No one has your trauma from your childhood you grew up with. No one has your abuse. No one has your victories. No one has your mom and your dad. No one has your sibling. No one has um, that one time that you got fired and then it really derailed. Like no one has that story. And all of those things make you who you are. They create your point of view. They create your, your belief system and your foundation. So like when I go on an audition and I get there and there's four 14 other girls that look exactly like me, all of them, Latina, brown hair. It's a detective role. So we're all wearing a leather jacket, probably like it's, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we all look the same, but I remind myself they're not me. When I go in that room, even though we're saying the same words, I have my history applied to it. I have have that. Have you been able to successfully, to yourself, been able to put you into the characters, like as far as acting, like I know stand up, mm-hmm. you do it, but it was that a, is that a hard transition for you? Like, how am I going to stay real to myself and put into this? No, thing? because no. you, you are you. Yeah. So even though they're like, okay, you're auditioning for this mom of three and, um, she's frustrated. Her husband's at work and you just had to get the kids ready for school. And here's your scene, Right. I'm still me. So I'm still adding my sass. I'm still adding like who I am. But then also you do your backstory on character. Like I don't have kids, but I have a lot of nieces and nephews and my friends have kids. And so I'll ask them certain questions. And so I'll get into the character of a mom and what a frustrating morning would actually feel like. And I can get advice from people and from what I've seen on TV and whatever, And then also I infuse it with me, who I am, because I can't just be a different person in the room. Like I'm me. Do you, uh, when you're, when you're doing that role, when you like trying to learn it, is that something like after, after it's done, do you ever feel like, are you that person that leaves the room going, you know what? I didn't do it right. Or you know what? I left this on the table. Sure. There's sometimes where I'm like, oh, that was too much me and not enough character (laughs) (laughs) where, and sometimes I lean on me and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go in and do me. And it's like a drama role, but I'm still funny. (laughs) Okay. Look, they died. You, you weren't supposed to be funny in this role. (laughs) And I'm like, oh shoot. Um, but it's, you're constantly learning, growing, but as long as you do you 
and do you well, like be the best version of you. Every time you walk into an audition, every time you walk on stage for an open mic, like be the best version of you. Don't phone it in. Don't let your anxiety or your fear keep you from leaving it all on the stage or leaving it all in the room. Like do you and do you well. All right. All right. Where can people follow you, Angela Johnson? Well, mm-hmm. at Angela Johnson on pretty much everything. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can get tickets to the Technically Not Stocking Tour. And why is it called that? Because I am constantly technically not stalking my husband. Okay. <laughs> and so I talk about that a little okay. bit. And um, yeah, so you can get tickets on my website, www.angela.com. And it kicks off in two weeks. And we're headed all over the East Coast, going through Florida, the Midwest a little bit. And it's going to be three months. All right. Well, thank you so much for stopping Thanks by. Thanks for having me. For all you people watching, listening, subscribe, michaelyo.com. I'm going to be in Miami. Ernie, September 6th and 7th, right? And then later, Seattle, September 26th, 27th, 28th. Thank you for watching. Later. Later.